Alrighty, we are on the very bottom of, not the very bottom, about five lines down on 21B, Chof, Aleph, Amad, Beis. One, two, three, four, five, six lines down. The word Tanan, um, we're going to quote a Mishnah. We're going to try to figure out if Rabbi Yehuda agrees with Ezra's decree that somebody that is a Balkari who had a seminal mission does not yet go to the mikvah whether they are allowed to study Torah or not. As Ezra um, enacted that they are not allowed to study Torah until they have gone to the mikvah. So now we're going to see what Rabbi Huda holds. Tanan, we learned in a Mishnah. Zav shira'a keriya. Zav is someone that saw a specific, is a male that saw a specific type, or someone that saw a specific type of discharge um, who becomes impure, and if he sees it twice in one day, then he actually has to, is impure for seven days. So we're talking about somebody that was a Zav for seven days, someone that had got into this category of being a Zav, impure for seven days, and at the same time, sometime throughout that time, he also had a seminal emission. Um, so this is obviously somebody who, even if they would go to the mikvah, the, the, the impurity that comes from seminal emission may go away, but he would still be impure because of being a Zav, because of the other emission that he had seen. The Nida Shapalta Shikhva Zera, as well as a, a woman who is menstruating, who also happened to have emitted, um, to also happen to have had a seminal emission. Now, how is that possible? It's emitting the semen that may have, uh, emitting the semen that would have been inside of a woman from the last time she uh, cohabited. So the case here is a woman who has some sort of ritual impurity because of her menstruation, and then some of this uh, semen came out. So again, she'd be in a very similar type of situation where even if she went to the mikvah, the 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 impurity from the seminal emission would have would go away, would be purified, but the impurity from the menstruation would still be there. Again, we're using the word impurity. It's not really the right word. It's not that you're impure, but we're not going to get into that right now. And then the next case, Hamisha Meshes Sadam, also a woman who um, was with a man and then afterwards started to menstruate. So a woman who who um, was intimate with a man, who was with a man, she actually has the same status as a man who experienced a seminal emission until she goes to the mikvah. So the case here is, is that she was with a man and then afterwards she... Uh, began her menstru began to menstruate, so it'd be a very similar scenario, where if she would go to the mikvah, she could take off the impurity that comes from having um, of having um, cohabited, but she could not take away the impurity that comes from menstruating until you uh, until you again until you are finished with the menstruating. So all of these. Uh, so what do we say in these cases? We say tzrichin tevila. In these cases. You still need to go to the mikvah before you learn Torah, before you learn Torah in all these cases. And the idea is, is that even though going to the mikvah does not completely take away the impurity, because it will take away the impurity that comes from the seminal emission part aspect of it, you have to go ahead and go to the mikvah before you learn Torah. Rabbi Yehuda Poter and Rabbi Yehuda says you do not need to go to the mikvah um, in order to learn Torah.
So what do we see from here? So we see here that Rabbi Yehuda exempts somebody from going to the mikvah before learning the Torah. Before learning Torah, only in this type of case of a, for instance, a zav that also had a seminal omission. Because when they were just a zav, they did not yet finish their seven days. Or in the case of the Nida, the, the menstruating woman, she had not yet finished her menstruation. So go, she so going to the mikvah would have not been helpful whatsoever. Um, um, so that's why he would not require you to go to the mikvah now that you also had a seminal omission because it doesn't really it doesn't work for the entirety of the impurity that is upon you. But the inference would be, so there Rabbi Yehuda doesn't require you to go to the mikvah because you anyways are going to have some sort of impurity. So you may as well just learn without going to the mikvah at all. Although Baal carry greater, but the inference would be is that somebody that just had a seminal mission and that's it, uh, Mechayev Rabbi Yehuda would obligate to go to the mikvah before, before, um, before learning. So we see very clearly from here that Rabbi Yehuda would require would require one to someone that had a seminal mission to go to the mikvah before learning. So we see that he does agree to the decree of Ezra. But now we're going to say maybe this is not a good proof. Perhaps you're going to say, Now perhaps you're going to say that it is also the rule that even a person that just had a seminal omission alone, Rabbi Huda would actually exempt from going to the mikvah um, before learning Torah. But if that's the case, why does he specifically teach his position that you don't have to go to the mikvah in this very random specific case of a zav who also happened to have had a seminal omission? Why would he have said it in that manner? If it's true that he does not agree with Ezra, he should have just said somebody that is, somebody that is, if it's true that he's not agree with Ezra, he should have just said somebody that had a seminal mission does not need to go to the mikvah. It's odd that he's picking to 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 share his ruling in this very weird scenario. So um, why would he do that? Really, the idea here is that we're just trying to teach you the stringency the stringency of the sages. That according to the sages, even though you still will have purity, impurity that remains even after going to the mikvah, they still require you to go to the mikvah. That is the stringence, the most stringent part of the sages' ruling, and we wanted to make that clear in contrast to Rabbi Yehuda. So, and the way we made that clear was by contrasting it with Rabbi Yehuda. So that would um, possibly be the idea. Meaning, so in reality, Rabbi Huda does not agree to Ezra's decree. And someone that had a seminal mission does not go to does not have to go to the mikvah to learn Torah. Why did we choose then to teach Rabbi Yehuda's ruling that he disagrees with Ezra in this very strange scenario? The reason we taught it is because we wanted to teach you the extreme the extreme nature of the sages' decree of the sages' opinion that they believe that even if you will not be able to take off the impurity completely because you're also a zav, you still need to go to the mikvah before learning Torah. Now, that's what we could possibly say, but we can't say that, because Ema Seifa, take a look at the next part of the Mishnah, which had said that Hamishameshadam, that a woman who first had intercourse and then she started to menstruate. We said there it's Sricha Tavila, we said that the sages believe that there she needs to have a immersion in order to be able to learn Torah. 
Now, Laman Katanila. Now, who exactly was this being taught for, this scenario? Why would this case have been taught? Was it to teach, to, to show you the opinion of the sages? Pshita, it's obvious according to the sages that that person would have, that that woman would have to go to the mikvah in order to learn Torah. And this is why it would have been obvious. Hashta uma zav you take a look at a person who was a zav, so first had this other type of a mission that required him to um, wait seven days before going to the mikvah. And then he saw a seminal mission sometime during that seven days. In that case, the me'ikar alav bartvilo, in that case, in the first place, he wasn't somebody that going to the mikvah would be helpful for yet. Nonetheless, mechaivi rabbana, nonetheless, the sages say that in order to be able to learn Torah, that person would have to go to the mikvah just to take away the seminal mission impurity. So hamisha meshes varas adam, so certainly in the case of a woman who had intercourse and then started to menstruate, the meikara bastavilahi, because in the first place she was somebody for whom the mikvah would completely erase the impurity, because after intercourse you go to the mikvah and your impurity is gone. So lo then all the more so she would need to go to the mikvah. Meaning if in the case of the Zav that also had a seminal mission, you'd have to go to the mikvah, then most certainly in that case, in this case as well. So obviously we don't need to teach it for the sake of the sages because that's simple. So rather, who are we teaching this case for the sake of? Elalav Rabbi Yehudahi. Rather, it must be that we're teaching it for the sake of Rabbi Yehuda. And if we're teaching it for the sake of Rabbi Yehuda, then we'll have to conclude vidavka katani ladet that it's specifically in this case Rabbi Yehuda says you do not have to go to the mikvah in order to learn Torah because there you because it will not the going to the mikvah will anyways not completely take off your impurity. And the idea would be as follows, that a woman who had intercourse and then she started to menstruate, she does not know, need to go to the mikvah in order to be able to learn Torah. However, somebody that just had a seminal mission, that person would need to go to the mikvah in order to be able to learn Torah. So Rabbi Yehuda does agree to the decree of Ezra. Um, he just doesn't extend the decree as far as the sages do. But if that's the case, if this is the case that Rabbi Yehuda does agree with Ezra, that somebody that, um, that, somebody that had a seminal omission and did not yet go to the mikvah, um, they cannot learn Torah, then we have to understand Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in the Mishnah that we taught on 20b, where Rabbi Yehuda very clearly says that um, somebody that had a seminal mission still says the blessings before and after Shema and the blessings before um, a meal. And according to Ezra, didn't, wouldn't Ezra have felt that you do not say those? So how are we going to understand Rabbi Huda's opinion? So we explain as follows. It must be that when Rabbi Huda said that you make these blessings, it doesn't mean you make them out loud. Rather, it means that you contemplate them, and that's all you're allowed to do. But the question is, Umi Rabbi um, so, by the way, we're on the third line of 22a of Chafbez Amad Aleph. But the question is, Umi but does Rabbi Yehuda um, really hold of this idea of contemplating something? 
Does he hold that that's all that the Balkari, somebody that had a seminal mission, does he really hold that that's all that they're allowed to do? The Hatanya, but didn't we say in a Brisa, Balkari she'en mayim litbal, if a, someone that had a seminal mission, a Balkari, does not have any water to immerse himself in, Kore kriya he can say the Shema, the mavarich, but he does not say the blessings. Lolafa lola not the blessings before the Shema, not the blessings after Shema. The ochel pito, and he can eat bread, umevarech l'achara, and he does make the blessing after eating, ve'eno mevarech l'fanah, but he does not make the blessing beforehand. Aval, however, meharher belivo, when we talk about him being allowed to say these things, all it means is that he's allowed to contemplate these things, ve'eno motzi b'svasav, but he cannot emit the words from his lips. Divri Rabbi Meir, those are the words of Rabbi Meir. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Bein kachu, bein kach, Rabbi Yehuda very clearly says that no, re, re, regardless whether it's the blessings of the Shema before or after, you are actually allowed to articulate them. You do not just uh, need to uh, contemplate them. We see, so we see very clearly that Rabbi Yehuda allows you to say the words of Torah and all these words even if you had a seminal omission. So if that is the case, how can we possibly understand, how could we possibly suggest that Rabbi Yehuda held of Ezra's Takana of Ezra's decree? So for that, we're going to answer as follows. Amar Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak says, Asan Rabbi Yehuda kehilchos derech eretz. Rabbi Yehuda made them like the laws of Derech Eretz, which goes as follows. So the laws of Derech Eretz are basically the laws of proper conduct. Those laws, um, even Rabbi Huda, even if Rabbi Huda agrees to Ezra that a Balkari is not allowed to learn Torah until he immerses, the laws of Derech Eretz, which teaches us proper conduct, those you are allowed to learn and articulate, even if you are a Balkari. And Rabbi Huda believes that these blessings that we say before and after Shema and the blessings from around eating a meal, those are lessons in proper conduct. And therefore, that's why Rabbi Huda allows those to be said. But in general, he does agree to the decree of Ezra. And now we're going to see this inside. Ditanya, as we see in Abraisa, we learned in Abraisa. Uh, the verse says, You shall teach to your children and your children's children. And right after that it is written, The day that you stood before the Lord your God And we now are going to expound on this juxtaposition. Just like in the case of the Jews standing before Sinai. They were there with fear and awe and dread and trembling. So too, when it comes to teaching Torah to your children and to your grandchildren, it should be done again with awe and dread and fear and trembling. Mikan Amru, and based on this, the sages said, Hazavim v'hametzoraim uva'in al hanidos, that um, Azav, somebody that had this um, different type of emission that makes them impure for seven days, or somebody that has leprosy, which makes you impure, or somebody that um, cohabited with a menstruating woman, which is um, prohibited. Just by the way, mutarim likros ba Torah uvanaviim uvaksuvim. They are allowed to read. 
from the Torah and the prophets and the writings. In other words, the entire Tanakh. Lishnos by Mishnah, they're also allowed to learn from the Mishnah Ugamara and the Talmud, Uva Halachos, Uva Agados, and from Jewish law and from Agadata, the uh, the more homiletical teachings of the oral law. So they're all allowed to learn. However, somebody that had a seminal mission is not allowed to study these things. And the reason being is that somebody that had a seminal mission, that was caused by some sort of levity. So you're not in that state of dread and awe and fear and trembling. And therefore, it's inappropriate for you to be learning um, these uh, to, to be learning these um, these teachings. And now we're going to go a little bit further. Rabiosi Omer, Rabiosi says, somebody that had a seminal mission, Shonahu Beregilos, He's allowed to learn the things that he um, is more familiar with. As long as he does not go on in the explanation of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, He actually could elaborate on the explanations of the Mishnah. But he's not allowed to do so with the Gemara. Rabbi Nassim ben Avi Shalom Omer, Rabbi Nassim ben Avi Shalom says, Af es ha-gemara. He's also allowed to elaborate on the explanations of Gemara. Uvavad shalom yomar as karo shabo, as long as he does, doesn't mention God's name when God's name is mentioned in the Gemara. Um, Rabbi Yochanan as Sandlar, Rabbi Yochanan the Sandlar, Talmidosh Rabbi Akiva, the student of Rabbi Akiva, Mishum Rabbi Akiva Omer, who said the following in the name of Rabbi Akiva. Lo yikanes le midrash kol ikar. You actually should not go into the um, studying of midrash whatsoever. Uh, and some say what Rabbi Akiva said was lo yikane laves midrash kol ikar that you should not go into the study hall whatsoever. And Rabbi Yehuda Omer, and this is what we were quoting. Rabbi Yehuda says, shonehu v'hilchos derecheretz. That a balkari, someone that had a seminal mission, is allowed to learn the laws of derech eretz. Um, again, the laws of proper conduct. So we see that's what Rabbi Huda holds. So we must conclude that when Rabbi Huda allows the blessings in certain scenarios, those are blessings that teach you proper conduct. That's what Rabbi Huda is considering them. And that's why he would tell you you can learn it without going to the mikvah. But in general, Rabbi Huda does agree to the decree of Ezra that you cannot learn Torah without first having gone to the mikvah. We'll uh, stop here for today. Look forward to seeing many of you this evening. Um, we'll just do a quick recap. So we first were introduced to all these different types of impurities. Um, and we, then we, what we were trying to do throughout is just understand what Rabbi Huda's opinion was of Ezra's decree about somebody that is a Balkari, someone that had a seminal mission and did not go to the mikvah. What is, the, what is Rabbi Huda's stance on them learning Torah and engaging in different prayers and blessings? And we basically went through that and then we saw some other people's opinions and that's where we are holding.